Jackpot. All right. Last week, we opened up our series with uh, Jackpot. All right. And so there wasn't sound for the first part of the video. I tried to do, you know, like a background dialogue, but my mic wasn't on yet. So basically, this, this guy, where's Caleb at? Is he here tonight? Where's he at? Man, that's sad. I'm sorry. sorry. I shouldn't have called him out. He's not even here tonight. Okay. Maybe he's coming late. But anyways, he, on his 18th birthday, is like, finally, I'm going to go and get a lottery ticket. And he goes and gets his lottery ticket, and you saw the video, okay? He scratches it off, and he wins big, okay? And then he realizes that it's a dream, and he wakes up, and he's like, oh, man. But there's so many different desires, okay, that God has given us, so many different desires, and a lot of those, okay, God created us with desires that are good. But so many different things that we often seek after and desire as Christians, last week we learned that God has already given us. We already have it. And so much of what we seek for and desire for in other things, God has already given us really the ultimate answer, which is himself, and we try to find it in other ways. All right, so the idea was, spiritually speaking, we have already hit jackpot. And for a lot of us, we don't even realize that we have hit jackpot. And maybe if we do, we don't even care. And ultimately, the reason why we don't even care it's because we value something completely different what Christ has given us. Usually we value things of this world, things that our flesh, we think that can gratify us in a way that doesn't really please Christ and ultimately doesn't please us because that's not what God intended for us. That's not why he created us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much, God, uh, for this time that we can study your word. Lord, I pray that you would just quiet our hearts, God, that you would Keep us attentive, that you keep us from distraction, from our own thoughts, our own minds, from our neighbors beside ourselves, Lord. I pray that you would teach us and that we would be real with you, God. Lord, we're here to meet with you, and I pray that you would teach us. Help me to get out of the way, God. I need you. Teach all of us in Jesus' name. Amen. So I love birthdays, okay? In my family, birthdays are a big deal. Birthdays are huge, and so growing up, like every time, there was seven of us in our family. We had five kids, and every time we had a birthday, it was like a huge ordeal. It was bigger than Christmas. And so I love the birthdays, and when I met Meredith, my wife, okay, birthdays were, for her family weren't like that big of a deal. It was like, high five, awesome, I'm going to write you on Facebook, wish you a happy birthday, even though like you're my family, and you know, I'm going to... I don't know, maybe give you a cupcake or something. For me, like, that was just totally bizarre. Like, it was a huge day event, and we'd do all these different activities, and then we had this big party and, like, cake and presents, and it was a huge ordeal. And so when I first met Meredith, you know, it would always, like, go above and beyond, okay, because I'm trying to, you know, show her, like, hey, like, I like you and all this stuff. And so every time she had a birthday, I would go above and beyond, and she just kind of blew her mind. And last, last year, by the way, if you're dating someone, all right, seriously, in the future, just remember, whatever you start with, okay, you've got to one-up yourself the next year because they're going to expect more and more and more, all right? So I started off kind of too strong. I should have, you know, her, the expectation was down here. I, like, went above the roof. So just a tip for you guys. All right, that was free. So I'm trying to, you know, make her birthday awesome. And so like, months in advance, really, it was, like, probably two weeks in advance. I'm like, hey, babe what do you, like, hey, what do you want? Like, what do you want for your birthday? She's like, I, I don't need anything, you know? Like, I just, we've, I've got your love, okay? That's all I need. And I'm like, whatever, babe. Like, what do you want? And so I kept 
telling her, like, hey, babe, what do you want? She would not tell me. She's like, I don't need anything. Like, you know, I've got everything I need. I'm like, babe, really, what do you want? And so finally she leveled with me. She goes, all right, I want a dehydrator. I'm like, what? What's a dehydrator? I'm like, I've never heard of that before. I've heard of, like, a humidifier. I was like, what's a, dehi- like a dehydrator? And so I'm asking her, and it was, it's like this machine, okay? I don't know. Any, who knows what a dehydrator? Yeah. Oh. Wow, I'm the only one. Great. Way to make me feel like a loser, okay? So, these, since all y'all know, I don't need to explain it, all right? Uh, I, I need to remind myself because I already forgot what it was because it's kind of complicated, so I'm still going to do it. So, it's this giant machine, this dehydrator, and you put, like, sliced fruit and meats in it, and it dries them and makes, like, fruit roll-ups and things like that. And it's awesome. Oh, I'm like, I started researching. I'm like, this thing is incredible. You need a dehydrator. You're right. You need this. And so I started uh, researching about dehydrators and I realized that they get kind of complicated. All right. You have like different levels of dehydrators. You have like the ones that you use once and then they turn into smoke and break. And then you have like the deluxe, like 2000, you know, XP version that like has a computer on it, all this stuff. And for me, like, if I'm going to have get something for someone, I'm going to go all out, all right? So I'm, like, looking at all these high-tech ones. I'm like, okay, you can't do that. So meet someone in the middle. And I got her this legit dehydrator. And I was asking our friends, like, hey, like, that knew a little bit of dehydrators. Hey, help me out. Like, which one do I get? And so, like, doing all this research, going back and forth. And then, all right, I'm like, well, I can't just, I had to get it online because I went to all these different stores, all right, to find this dehydrator. No one has a dehydrator. I'm like, great. So I had to get it online. Well, if I buy it online, then Meredith's going to see that I bought the dehydrator, and I want it to be a surprise, because this is something that she really wanted, and she was going to be so excited about it. So I get my friends to buy it online for me. I go to the bank. I get some money. I'm like, hey, here's some cash. Buy it online. They get it online, and then they get it shipped to their house. Then I go drive to their house. I pick it up. It's like this big ordeal, okay? And so day of her birthday, I got it all wrapped up. I got a bow on it, and I give it to her, and she's just like smiling ear to ear, and it's awesome. The best feeling ever, okay? And she was so excited, and I was like, yes, I did so good. Look at me. I'm such an awesome husband. And, and then, get this, all right? So she is just floored. She's like, thank you so much. Like, I can't wait to use this, and I'm going to do it for this. I'm going to dehydrate this, 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 all these different things. I'm like, I don't even care. I'm just glad you're happy, all right? I, whatever. So here's the deal. That, her birthday was in July, right? Both of our birthdays in July. July 7th is her birthday, if you guys want to write it down, okay? July 7th of this last year, all right? If you go to our house, all right, and you open up the closet, uh, you will see, if you look at the top, there's this big box, okay? And it's still taped and uh, hasn't been opened. It's a dehydrator, okay? She hasn't used it yet. I'm not bitter or anything about it, Okay? But she hasn't used it yet. I'm like, babe, why haven't you used this dehydrator? You were so excited about this thing. You, you would not stop talking about it. I did all this research. I went out of my way to get this for you. And she just sits in the closet. She's like, yeah, I haven't used it yet. Whatever. And I, and I was asking her, and I asked her, I was like, hey, can I tell you this story? And it was probably kind of embarrassing. She's like, yeah, you can tell it. And she, I was like, well, babe, why haven't you used this dehydrator machine? And she goes, well, it's just... It's so big and complicated, and I just, I don't, really, I don't really know how to use it. Like, I'm just, like, I've never used the dehydrator, and there's all these things and all these manuals, and it's just kind of overwhelming for me, and I don't really know where to start. And it started to get me to think, a lot of times I think that's where we are with our faith, 
And last week, Jay Gray talked about how we sometimes we get so excited about our faith because we realize once we have met Christ that we have hit jackpot and that we have won everything, like eternity, and it's phenomenal. And we get so worked up, up, up about it, but then we don't do anything with it. It just sits in the closet. Because I think sometimes we magically think that when we get saved, Jesus just does everything for us, and then we're these perfect people. But really, ultimately, we're still in the flesh, and we still have so far to go. So I want us to open up our Bibles, okay, back to first, not first, second Peter, all right? Second Peter is in the New Testament, all right? Second Peter. And I'm just going to recap real quick. Uh, verses three and four, it says, his divine power, that's God's, has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Verse 4, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. All right, so right there it says that God has granted us all things, all things that pertain to life and godliness, anything that we would ever need. God has given us, which is incredible. But a lot of times we just take that, okay? Think about it if you won jackpot and all of a sudden you're a multi-millionaire. It'd be pretty sweet, right? But then you get, you get the check, all right? You get the giant, like I've always seen those, the, the shows where they get the giant check, like that, that's who I want to be. I want to be getting the giant check, all right? And so you get the giant check and you're like, yes, like balloons everywhere, streamers, and then you go in your house and you put it in your closet. I'm like, yeah, I'm a millionaire. So what? Like, come on. What good is winning the lottery, okay, if you don't use it, if you don't spend it? It's worthless. And again, so much of the time, I think with our faith, we think that just by having it is enough. And yes, once we are saved, okay, don't get me wrong, like it is final. But God has given us everything we need to do something with it to do something with it. That's just the start, okay? A lot of times we think that it's the finish, but ultimately it's just the start. And for me, how many procrastinators do we have out there? Amen. I knew I liked you guys. All right, I've always struggled with procrastination. Amen? And you're not supposed to say amen to that. It's not a good thing, okay? I appreciate y'all's honesty, okay? We're, we're being real tonight. We're being real. But one of the main reasons, I didn't figure this out until later in life, okay, one of the main reasons that I'm a procrastinator is because, like, if I start something, I want to be able to finish it in one sitting. I don't want to have to, like, not finish it and then leave and then have to come back to it. And a lot of times, usually the Christian faith can be very daunting. Well, I don't know what to do next. I don't know where to go from here. Like, there's so many different things I don't know how to do. I don't know where to start. And I'm too embarrassed maybe to ask someone because I'm, I feel like I'm supposed to already have this figured out. Anyone been there? Yeah. But ultimately, ultimately, God has given us the answer. And I, I believe it's found here in this passage because God desires for us not to be perfect, not to be perfect. Catch this, guys. But to continue to pursue Him and to continue to grow. So when, once you have your your millions of dollars. The smartest thing that you can do ultimately, okay, you talk to the experts, you're like, this is what I would do if I won the lottery, if I won jackpot. 
The first thing they say to do is to invest your money. And ultimately, okay, this is kind of what Peter is telling us. We look at verse 5. All right, keeps going. So now that we have everything that we need to rid ourselves of worldly desires, then it says, because of this, for this very reason, verse 5, make every effort, make every effort to supplement your faith. All right, supplement, I always think of like protein, okay, like supplements, things like that. But supplement basically just means to add to something, all right, to reinforce what something is, the direction that is going. And here Peter is saying, you need to supplement your faith. You need to supplement your faith. And ultimately, he's telling us that we need to invest in our faith with several different things. And we're going to talk about those here in just a little bit. But there's seven different things that really Peter's telling us, okay, if you're going to grow, if you're going to invest in your relationship with God and your faith, these are the things that you need to invest in. These are the things that the Holy Spirit, that God's going to work in you to do a mighty work for his kingdom. A lot of times, though, I think that as Christians, all right, we get excited again about following Christ, about starting our new relationship, but then we get content. Like, okay, I kind of like where I'm at spiritually, all right? And whether we recognize it or admit it or not, we always, all right, not always, but I would say a lot of times we grow content with where we are spiritually. Like, okay, I, I think I've gone far enough. I don't think I need to become any more holy. Like, well, I don't know if I should keep growing, all right? And we wouldn't tell ourselves with that, but a lot of times it's because we compare ourselves to other people. And I know I can relate to that. When I was y'all's age, all right, I went off of past things that God had done in my life. God had done some really awesome things in my life, all right? But then I got to a place where I was higher, quote-unquote. I really wasn't, but I thought I was maybe. Other people maybe thought I was spiritually than others, really just because no one else was a Christian, all right? Everyone was heathens in my school. They were, they were awful. And so I thought that I had, like, made it spiritually, so I didn't need to grow because I was already so far above the other people, so to speak. That was so prideful. That showed that I wasn't, okay? But so much of the time we compare ourselves to these other people and we think, okay, I'm good. I, I've grown far enough because if I keep growing, I don't want to be that different than the world. I don't want to stand out that much. But here we're going to look at these different virtues that God calls us to. We are called to be holy. We're called to be set apart. And that's what God has designed us to be. And we need to continually grow. Make every effort, it says, to grow. Just not when you feel like it. Walking the Christian life isn't always comfortable. And for us in our culture, in our day and age, everything, everything is about our comfort. You've been sitting in like cushy chairs, all right? And we're at church. Even dart wars are cushy. They're not, I keep telling them to put like sharp things on them. They won't do it, all right? But our whole culture is about comfort, all right? Things fast. That's why we have fast food. That's why we have microwaves. That's why everything is revolved around our happiness. And really, God is more interested not in our happiness, but really in our holiness. And that's us being more like him. And if God changes our life and we experience really what God can do in our lives, he really changes us. The Holy Spirit's going to come in us and start to change these different desires. But there's this war, there's this battle that's going on between our flesh and between really our, our new self, the, whole, the spirit that's working in us. 
And these different virtues that we're going to go over the next couple of weeks really are the opposite. They, they represent the opposite, complete opposite of what our flesh desires and seeks for every single day. So let's keep reading verse 5. All right, so supplement, or for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith, all right, with what? Anyone paying attention? Anyone reading behind me? Is it up there? No, it's not. Okay. Uh, to supplement it with virtue. With virtue. That's a word that we don't really use very often anymore. All right. Virtue. Anyone use the word virtue today at school? Liar. Okay. You did? All right. Were you reading this passage? You're getting ready for tonight? That's awesome. All right. But it's usually not a, a word that we use every day, in our everyday vernacular. It's not a word that I use. I know that's for sure. But it's very countercultural to kind of what we do. Virtue ultimately means moral excellence. Moral excellence. That's super foreign. All right? That's super foreign to what our culture and society is all about. They're all about, again, comfort, what's best for you, all right, what you can get away with, how you compare yourselves to other people, and like, okay, you don't want to be too set apart from them. But ultimately, go back to verse 3 where it talks about how God has given us everything, how we've hit jackpot spiritually, all right? God has given us that to grow. If you get anything out of it, God has given us everything that we need, not just so we can sit back and have a comfortable life, but so that we can grow in Jesus Christ. And a lot of times we willingly settle back into a life dominated by sin, dominated by our flesh. And that is not why Jesus Christ has died for us. Jesus Christ didn't die so that we could like, oh yeah, salvation forever changed. And like, okay, let me go back to whatever else my flesh is telling me to do. I'm just going to do it, okay? Because a lot of times our flesh tells us, okay, this is what you need to do. And we just obey it right away. But the next thing, okay, that it talks about here in verse 5, it says, supplement your faith with virtue, which was really put your faith into action. And virtue, okay, add to that the action of your faith, add to your action knowledge. Knowledge is a word that Peter continues to use, and it's funny because even in verse 2, all right, it's like his greeting. And he talks about knowledge. He says, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. Grace and peace. Anyone want grace and peace today? Grace and peace comes through a knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. And if we're not growing in knowledge of who God is, we're not growing in a relationship with God, we're going to be stagnant. If we're not growing in knowledge, we're not going to be growing in our knowledge of the Word. Really, that's where our knowledge comes from, ultimately, who God is. We're not going to know the promises that we've, of what we've really been given, the promises that I talked about earlier in this passage. We're not going to know what those are, and we're just going to stop growing, all right, if we're not focused on these things, if we're, not, if we're really focused on what we want to do instead of really what God wants to do in our lives. We'll stop growing in our prayer life. We'll stop growing really in God revealing himself to us, revealing different awesome things that he wants to do in our life. Stop growing really in our desire to serve. 
Because if we don't put our desires and affections on Christ, our desires and affections are going to turn to the world, they're going to turn to our flesh every single time. And so much of the time we think that these desires that we have are bad, but they're only bad because we put them in the wrong place. So it says, add knowledge to your virtue. Next, it says, and knowledge with self-control. That's a big one. Self-control. That's the fruit of the Spirit. If God, if the Holy Spirit is working in you and you don't have stuff that's getting in the way, because a lot of times our value system is messed up. Because again, we don't value that we have jackpot. We, want, we value all these different things. And if that stuff is hindering us, that we're not going to be able to grow. But here, all right, it says, add self-control. Knowledge, all right, leads to self-control. Really, ultimately, that means not to give in to whatever you want. Really, the best example of, I think, of self-control is you look at an athlete, all right? There's some athletes in here tonight. All right, athletes, man, I see athletes, and they have a goal. Do they not? They have a purpose. And there's so many different things in life that athletes have to say no to if they want to meet their goal, if they want to be the best, if they want to excel in what they're doing, what their sport is. Guess what? They're going to have to say no to some things, aren't they? And because they're so focused on the goal. Because ultimately, ultimately, when we're self-controlled, man, there's a lot of things that we have to say no to. There's a lot of things that we have to say no to. Because if we don't say no to our flesh, then our flesh will master us. Either you master your flesh and your emotions and your desires, or they will master you. I think in our day and age, in in our society, in our culture, everyone's like, oh yeah, like, if you feel it, do it, right? If you have an emotion or a desire or an urge, then God probably made you that way. He probably created you that way, and you know, you should just do it. That sounds good to me. I'm like, yeah. All right, whatever urge I have, whatever desire I have, whatever emotion comes my way, I'm just going to respond to it because God made me that way. Well, I don't think God intended me to be that way because we're fallen. We're fallen people, and we have this flesh that goes against us, rebellious against God. And if we give, continue to give into that, we're going to be going against God's command, and we're going to be stagnant, and we're going to be ineffective. We're going to be ineffective. We're going to go over that next week, really, how ineffective it makes us when we don't respond to Christ and our desire to grow, to be more like Him. You're like, well, John, that's, that's not easy. Like, I, that sounds really uncomfortable. I just say no to all these different things, whatever I want, whatever our emotions. I'll tell you what, if you are reliant upon the Holy Spirit, He will help you and He will change your value system because you're going to get to see really a lot, much bigger perspective, which is cool because self-control all right, leads to something else that's really cool, which is perseverance. You can't have perseverance unless first you have self-control, which for me, that's something that I I struggle with, especially when I was a kid with self-control. You ever go to the grocery store, and there's like a little three-year-old kid, and you know, they're in the candy aisle, the toy aisle, and they are just laid out on the floor, and they're screaming and kicking, 
and red in the face, you think that they're going to have a heart attack, but they're probably not going to have a heart attack because their cardiovascular system is probably pretty good because they're still young, amen, okay? But they are stinking, freaking out. They're going nuts. That was me, by the way, okay? I was that kid. I was pretty bad. All right, this is before I got saved. Don't judge me too much. All right, but that was me. I was the kid, like, screaming and kicking on the floor. And today, like, every once in a while, I'll go to the store, and I'll see this kid like this. And he is just being so rebellious, or she, sometimes she, okay, usually it's the guys. And I'm like, you know what? I would love to be that kid's parent. I don't have kids yet, but I would love to be that kid's parent. I was like, just give me like 15, 20 seconds, man. I would straighten that kid out. I would pull him aside, and I would tell him, man, I would put the fear of God, I would put the fear of me in that kid. (laughs) Right? I would. (laughs) I mean, I would... Anyways, I'm not a parent yet, okay, don't judge me, like, you don't even know, you don't even have kids yet, all right? I was that kid, so I I can say this, but so much of the time, I think that's us, because there's a battle going on, and our flesh is like, are you kidding me? They're going to be the, our flesh is going to be our biggest advocate of following Jesus, right? No. Our flesh is going to protest whatever we want to do to follow Christ, And so whatever, we're like, yeah, I want to follow Christ. I want to do what he desires. I want to say no to all these things. Your flesh is going to freak out. And most of the time, when our flesh freaks out and it's throwing a fit, we just are like, okay, here, here, here's a lollipop. You can have it. Like, here's the toy. Good job. Just stop freaking out, okay? Here it is. Like, I've seen parents do that. I'm like, no wonder they freak out all the time. But so much time, we just obey whatever our flesh tells us to do. We don't know how to say no to it because we're unwilling to be uncomfortable, ultimately because we don't value what Christ has given us. If we really value what Christ has given us in himself, Holy Spirit's going to start changing our desires. So self-control. Next passage, the next passage, the next uh, virtue here that Peter tells us about is perseverance. Perseverance, which really just means steadfast endurance. That's another thing that our culture really just rejects. Perseverance, a commitment to your word. When you start a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's not just saying, okay, yeah, like, thanks for saving me, see ya. It's, I'm committing my life to you because you gave me your life, I'm giving you my life, and I'm making a commitment to follow you. And we grow in that. We're not perfect in all these different things. It's not that we have to get perfect to go to the next thing. But these are things that God is continuing to, to do in our lives, continuing to grow in our lives. And perseverance is a huge one because it really means that we continue no matter what else is going on, no matter what happens, no matter what our friends are doing, maybe doing the opposite of God wants, or maybe aren't growing, or maybe being stagnant in their their faith, or doing things we know are wrong, no matter what they're doing, maybe if they fall off and they stop following Christ, well, I'm the only one that's going to be following Christ. I'm going to be alone. Who cares? Because you've made a commitment to Christ because he's made a commitment to you and he wants to grow you and do things that are incredible in your life. And let me tell you what, if you are doing that, it's going to be contagious. And God's going to use you in a mighty way to bring your friends back to Christ. It's perseverance. It's interesting because this word in the Greek, all right, for perseverance, really every time it shows up, it's this idea of leaning towards the future. 
leaning towards what's going to happen in the future. And ultimately, we can't have perseverance if we don't have a focus on what's ahead. And we're going to get in that in the verses ahead in the next couple of weeks. But our ultimate goal and perspective should be on Jesus Christ and our goal to be with him in eternity and to be more like him. It's this word that's not just, oh, just in the moment. It's you persevere because you know what the end result is. Just like the athlete, they persevere because they know what their goal is. They know what the end result is. It keeps going. And in verse 7, okay, so steadfastness with godliness and godliness with, well, I'm getting ahead of myself, all right? So it goes, where was I? Perseverance, all right? And perseverance with godliness, all right, godliness is where we're going to stop here. Godliness really just means being more like Jesus Christ. To care more about the things that Jesus cares about, okay, than the things maybe that you think your friends care about or what you care about. To care more about what Jesus cares about than anything else. Because our ultimate goal is to be like Christ, is to be like Jesus. And when we're saved, man, we get everything that Jesus gets, and we get all the resources that could ever be given to us to grow. We ultimately have no excuse. When I was in fifth grade, uh, you know, I, I was a little chunker, okay? I was a little kid. I was a baller. All right? I liked the ball, and I moved around a lot with my family, and so we were, happened to be at this small Christian school. And so I went to the same school that my older siblings went to, which they were, I was in fifth grade. My brother was like a senior. All right, my sister was like a junior, and then my other sister was a freshman, sophomore, somewhere around there. Okay, they were much older than I was. And they were in uh, to like orchestra and band and all these different things. And so there was this band at this Christian school. And they were pretty good. And my brother, okay, he uh, was really good, and he played the trombone, all right? My brother played trombone. And he was the first chair. And so uh, he was really, really good. And in fact, my, not only my brother played the trombone, but my dad had played the trombone, all right? And before that, my grandpa had played the trombone as well, all right? So this was like a family uh, thing. And so guess what instrument I wanted to play? The trombone, because I was like, I want to be like my big bro, and I want to be like my dad, and I want to be like my grandpa. I'm going to play the trombone. And it was like, man, what a manly instrument, this was, trombones were pretty manly. I was like, I want to be a real man. I'm going to play the trombone. And so it was cool because this orchestra allowed like the fifth and sixth graders to play. And so I had some classmates who were like, yeah, they played like the saxophone. They played the trumpet. They played all these different things. And it was interesting enough because my ride home from school was my, my brother. And band practice was right after school. So like I just like hung out and I was like, well, like, I have nothing to do. And my dad whips out this old trombone. Like, it was my, like my great-grandfather's or something. That was all rusted. And, like, but I was like, sweet. I get my own trombone. This is awesome. So my dad gives this to me. I'm like, here, learn the trombone. And, you know, you can go hang out with your brother and learn from him. And I'm like, sweet, awesome, okay? So this was a whole year of this. I would go to their practices, to their band practices. And I would actually, they let me sit by my brother, which is the first chair. So I had my brother sitting I forget which side, but he was like, I think my brother was here, okay? And then I was sitting here, and then second chair was here. So I got to sit in the middle of that, all right? 
So I show up first day with my grandpa's, my great-grandfather's trombone, and, and my classmates that are playing the trumpet and the saxophone, all these different things, and the French horn, like the flute, like, oh, John, like, you play an instrument too? I'm like, yeah, I played the trombone. And I had never played it before in my life, okay? I had never done anything with the trombone. I'm like, yeah, I play. Like, check this out. So I would go, and I would sit there, all right? I would sit there beside my brother, and I acted like I knew what I was doing. And so they would play, and the thing with the trombone, you know, like you move the thing, and so my brother would like move it, and so I would move it, and then my brother would move it back, and I was like a step behind him, but I would try to keep up with him, like, okay, I'm new at this, so, you know, I'm just a little slower. But I thought that I had fooled everybody that I was this awesome trombone player. And I won't forget because, like, my classmates, they were actually pretty good, and they would practice all the time, and they had, like, lessons, private lessons. People would come to their home and teach them. And I never took the time to, to learn. I'm like, yeah, whatever. I, I, like, I'd rather just be a baller and play basketball in my free time. So that's what I did. And my brother never taught me. And so every day after school, I would go and pretend like I knew how to play the trombone. And I won't forget because I was like, I was so embarrassed that I was going to be found out that I was a fake, that I really didn't know how to play the trombone. And about halfway through the year, halfway through the year, the band instructor uh, goes, okay, we're going to do individual tests, and we're going to test everyone and, like, see, like, how good your pitch is. I don't know. I still don't play the trombone. Okay, don't judge me. I still haven't learned. It's been this long. All right, but, like, do all these different things and test you. And so it came to my turn to be tested, and everyone's watching, all right? All my friends from my class are watching. And it was one of the most embarrassing moments of my life <laughs> because all of a sudden, it, everyone found out that I could not play because it sounded like a dying duck. Seriously, it did. And everyone found out that I could not play the trombone. And it was found out that I was a fake. And I think a lot of times for us that are, are, you know, doing the Christian life, we have salvation, we've hit jackpot, we have the trombone. But we really aren't a trombonist. Because our life doesn't reflect it. Because the Holy Spirit hasn't been changing our desires to be more like Jesus. Because our life isn't adding up and our life is not growing. And if our life is not growing, really that, again, is a supplement. It shows, it reaffirms that our faith is real. So I just want to challenge you guys tonight. If you're like, John, I I haven't been doing these things. I don't even know about these things. Okay? That's okay. But if we know Jesus Christ, if we have everything, if we have the most valuable thing that we could ever have, and God wants to do a work in our lives, we should be growing. These things should be happening in our life. But most of the time, the the reason why we don't grow is because our our flesh gets in the way, and we just give in to whatever, again, our flesh wants to do. But God has such a bigger plan for our lives, and Jesus Christ died for a much bigger purpose than just for us to know that we got the check. He wants us to use it and grow it and invest it to become more like him each and every day. So if every head and eye would close for a minute, I just want to talk with you all for a second. You know, the Christian faith is incredible because Jesus has given us, again, everything we need for it. A lot of times we don't value that and we don't realize that. And we end up just putting it off. And for some of you, I I believe that you've been putting it off 
and you haven't been growing and you've been faking it and people say, oh yeah, like I'm a Christian, yeah, I'm, I'm doing this and maybe you're going off of old fumes. But really this message tonight was for people that are believers that need to grow. But you may say, John, I don't even know if I know Jesus Christ because my desires haven't been changing. I haven't been growing. I don't even know if I know Christ. And if that's you, I want to help you meet Christ. Because ultimately, the best thing that you can do in this moment is to be honest. Because when I was playing the trombone, that's the one thing I was unwilling to do, to be honest. And so I just want to ask each of you to be honest with where you are, no matter where you are, whether you don't even know if you know Christ, or if you're growing, or maybe you haven't grown in a while and you know that you need to start growing again. I want you to be honest with where you are. And so maybe tonight you're like, John, I don't even know if I know Jesus Christ, but I want to. I want to have this jackpot. I want to have everything at my fingertips that God has given me everything I need for life and to be like him. I want that. I want to start growing. Then I want you to pray this prayer to myself. This, this prayer, again, isn't magical. This is you just being honest with God, saying, God, I want to follow you. I want to make you king over my life. So pray this prayer to yourself. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry. I've gone against you so much. Forgive me. Thank you for paying the penalty that I could not, for dying for me on the cross. Lord, I want to follow you all the days of my life. Come into me and change me to be like you. I commit to follow you.